Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. The How to Trade It podcast is all about making our listeners successful at trading. When you listen to real people sharing their stories of how they overcame their own trading failures, it connects you to a level of enlightenment that you can't get from education alone. These stories contain wisdom and actionable tips that will make you a better trader. Listen to each episode and become the successful trader that you want to be on the How to Trade It podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Casey Stubbs from the How to Trade It podcast. And today I am with Easy Eddie, the CEO of Easy Breakouts, how are you doing today, Eddie? How, thanks for being on the show. I'm doing awesome, man. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Casey. You're welcome. So just in getting warmed up, we had a nice little talk, had some things that were in common. And so I'm really excited about the show because you got a lot of really good information and not just information, but experience, which is what separates the real people from the wannabes is the experience. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in trading. Well, I was. I guess I'm kind of fortunate because my dad was a floor trader on the New York Mercantile Exchange in NYMEX. And ever since I was a little boy, he would take me down to that exchange with him. That exchange, the NYMEX or the New York Mercantile Exchange, as it was known then, we didn't have an X at the end of every exchange back then. But it was in the World Trade Center and it was on the commodities, what's called the Commodities Exchange Center, World Trade Center 4 was made up of four different exchanges. It was Comex, Coffee, Sugar, Cocoa, the Orange Juice Exchange, and the New York Mercantile Exchange. And he would take me to work with them on days I had off from school. I always loved being there because it was men, lots of men yelling and screaming, behaving badly, and like the rules at home about what language I could use didn't apply <laughs> when I was down on the floor. And when I got to be a teenager, I became very interested in what was going on down there. So when I first graduated high school, my very first job after high school, I was still 17 years old. My dad got me a job as a clerk down on the floor. And the first thing I was assigned to do was keep charts with pencil and graph paper. The guy I was working for was a pit trader in the crude oil market. And he taught me how to draw something called point and figure charts using pencil and graph paper. And he explained to me that if I could learn to spot very specific patterns, it becomes easy to predict what happens next. And he could tell where the price was going next. And that was it. Once I heard that, I thought I knew that's what I wanted to do. And that's really how I got started. So I worked down there every summer, every Christmas break, every spring break until I finished college. And then as it turned out, I was my plan was to go work on that floor. But I had a friend working over at Gruntel and Company. And he said to me, this is early 90s, he says, you got to come down here and get on the phones. And I'm telling you, we're like shooting fish in a barrel down here, opening accounts. And so I became a stockbroker for 
17 years after that. That's how it all started for me, though. But my dad was a floor trader and the NYMEX experience. That's really what just I knew that's what I wanted to do. That is pretty exciting stuff. I think that's very cool. So when you were learning those point and figure charts, what kind of pattern did that gentleman teach you to look for? Well, there was a couple. A lot of them kind of look like pennants, a lot of different types of pennants that form. They're kind of like bull flags is the best way to describe them. Also like head and shoulders tops, things like that. I didn't... Point and figure charts was big for a while in the 90s. There was a company called Dorsey Wright who used to put out these point and figure charts once everything became electronic. But you don't... I mean, I haven't heard too much about point and figure charts or that type of analysis lately. Have you? I've never heard of it at all. So it's X's and O's and whatever the underlying security is, it has to move like a certain, has to make a certain move. So I was doing crude oil would have to move at least 15 cents to even put the three X's in. So every five cents was an X, but if it didn't make a big enough move, you didn't mark the chart. So it had to be a certain size of a move and then it had to refill a certain way. It was I don't How did remember you get the data for to know where to put the O oh and my the God. X. I stood in like right where the prints were on the board and on the exchange. Have you ever seen the movie Trading Places? I think so. Yeah, I've seen or clips so, of it at least. Or have you seen clips of even yeah. the CME or the SIBO around the trading pits? I mean, they're dead these days. Everything's electronic. But back then, when everything was live and there was like literally a thousand guys standing around, there was giant boards on the walls where every trade printed. So you could see every single trade. It's kind of looking at time and sales on your trading platform today. Everything was up on the wall and I had to freaking stare at every month that crude was trading and watch every print go by. It was pretty tedious because I was watching every single print. I was also listening because you can tell when there was some action, the price would run up. The guys yelling and screaming would get louder. You could hear the bids and the asks and the guys going sold and bought. You hear the action. So you knew when to kind of pay attention. It was a skill. So how old were you when you started going down there? I started going down there. There are some pictures of me in black and white, bro. I kid you not. (laughs) Seven years old. But I wasn't, obviously, I wasn't charting then. And that was before they moved to the World Trade Center. They were in a building that was built in the 1800s in lower Manhattan. Then in 77, they moved to the World Trade Center. I really started getting interested in the early 80s when I was a teenager. I'm like, what the hell's going on down here? And the place got real busy once they started with the energy complex. Before the energies, they were trading potatoes and platinum was their main contract. But once they introduced heating oil was first, followed by crude oil and gasoline futures. And that exchange just took off after that became very busy. So when I started working, I was 17. It was like I graduated in June of 87. I started in the following Monday in June 87. I wasn't even 18 yet. So if picture like the Wedding Singer movie, guys with long hair in the back and the mustaches, that's what we all looked like. My hair was a little thicker back then, too. So they had computers then. like Yes. They had computers. So was it not fully computerized yet? So there was computerized charting. 99% of the guys down there didn't own computers because this is not the personal computers didn't take off till a little later. There was a couple of computers in the back, and there was like a dot matrix printer. You could print out a chart. It would take about 10 minutes for this thing to spit out. I remember that. It would draw it for you. But if you wanted like the real-time chart, you had to do it by hand. 
Okay. And, and then, so the trading, it was not electronic. The trading was not electronic at all. They kept track of all that. So guys would stand in the pit, buy and sell. The guy who was on the sell side would write the trade down on a pit card. The pit card was then fired down into the middle of the pit where there were a couple of employees of the exchange working, collecting all these pit cards, and then entering into this giant database, which was a Quotron system with the, like the green and black screen. And the NYMEX was actually pretty advanced because COMEX next door, literally on the same giant trading floor, they didn't even have the database yet. They were doing all the trades by hand. So if you, every pit trader had to have a clerk who would go meet the clerk of the other side of the trade to verify the trade, to make sure they both knew the exact same trade. At least on the NYMEX, we had the electronic Quotron system. Nothing was electronic. NASDAQ was electronic, but that was NASDAQ. But the commodities were all yelling and screaming, even into the 2000s. I don't think it was until like 05 or 06 that the commodities really switched over to more electronic. With Globex was the overnight trading. That started the electronic trading, I believe. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. It could be challenging for people that have been doing something their whole lives to make that kind of a switch. Yes. And there's a documentary, I think it's on Netflix or probably YouTube, where these, I think it's guys that were on the cotton sugar cocoa exchange, tried to transition from being pit traders to being electronic, trading electronic, and they were really frustrated, couldn't do it. There's a lot of guys from the hood that were worked on that floor. New York City culture. A lot of guys weren't college educated. It was who you knew. My dad dropped out of high school to work for a stock brokerage firm in Brooklyn in the 1950s. And there were just a lot of guys who they knew somebody. They got him a job on Wall Street. That's how it worked, at least on those exchanges. Not at Goldman Sachs, but on those exchanges, it was who you knew. That's how you got a job. Yeah. And the thing that you mentioned earlier is that you were attracted to it because it was high energy. It was like yeah. intense. and So intense. I like that myself. That's like my personality. I played football and, oh, okay. and I was just into that kind of stuff. I joined the army as soon as I got out of high school. So like, that's exciting to me. I like a little bit of action, which is one of the reasons why I get, have been destroyed a lot of times in trading. Um, Over trading. Because I'm a risk taker by nature. But is that at all like trading now or is their skill sets totally different? Because that seems like the more aggressive and the more yeah. loud and intimidating you are, the better you're going to do. That's exactly right. So 
the bigger guys, the louder guys could be more aggressive and they tend to do a little bit better. So a lot of these guys were working for firms. So all around the trading pits were these booths with guys on the phone talking to a client who was telling them, buy 50 Augie crude at XYZ price. And then that guy on the phone would yell it to the guy standing in the pit. And then the guy in the pit would try to fill the order. So there was kind of very so on the phone until the orders filled and then... He yeah, that, okay, a lot of times. Unless it was like, if it was a market order, yeah. Or if it was a limit order, he would just hand it to a runner who might run it into a guy in the pit. But yes, yeah, size, voice. If you were a guy who did a lot of volume, meaning your firm was just generating a lot of trading volume, you definitely got more attention. My father was kind of a little guy. He wasn't a big guy. He was maybe five foot eight, five foot seven. And one of the, he retired at age 50. He's like, I can't compete with these younger guys. He was getting poked with pencils. Like it was because it just got so crowded down there too. And when the markets were busy, so I'll tell you one quick story. January 1991, I'm in college on Christmas break. I'm working on the floor. This is when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait and crude oil was all over the place. It had jumped from like $21 a barrel up to $28 a barrel as we were talking about going into Kuwait and liberating Kuwait. And I just happened to be working. The markets were going bananas. The energy was really intense. And I'll never forget, the morning that the war broke out, like we went in, most people expected oil was going to jump. So it went from, I'll never forget, it traded like $25 a barrel. There was a print at $30 a barrel. This was all, I believe, at the open of the day that the news came out that day we went in. It traded like $35, $40 a barrel just in successive prints. Usually it trades in penny increments. And then by the end of the day, it was back at like 19. Buy the rumor, sell the news. But yes, very intense time. Yeah. So the skill sets are a little bit different than to be successful versus now where it's there's yeah, supposed exactly. to be no energy, no emotion, total logic, things well, like that. Well, there's still energy and emotion. You're just in a room by yourself most of the time. I think that's part of, it's a different psyche. I mean, I sit in a room by myself trading. I mean, I'm working in my office. It's like you and I are sitting right now in a room alone. And that's how most traders I think are right now. Even guys who used to sit on trading desks because of COVID, they're now trading at home. It's a different thing to have like a Zoom call with your buddy versus sitting there with them. You can't uh, punch them in the arm. <laughs> can't punch <laughs> him in the arm. You can't stab him with a pencil. <laughs> And other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not a, as it, fun. It's really not as fun. Even an old guy like me. It's The guys on the exchange, I remember with my dad, we'd go back. He'd take me back into the broker's cafeteria. And the guys before the market opened and at lunch would talk about what's going on and bounce ideas off of each other, berate each other, abuse each other, like with about their ideas. And sometimes they would agree. Most of the time they wouldn't. But there was probably so much good material and good, just like getting ideas from other guys in real time about what's really going on that you just, it's really hard to do today in small groups. So like, I mean, my father's click that these guys were really successful. They were the considered the old timers because my dad had bought a seat like in the early seventies. They were the old timers, guys in their thirties, forties, and fifties were the old timers, believe right. it or not. But those conversations I remember sitting in on were really intense and neat. I don't know how you could get anything like, I mean, think of like remember, trading places with 
The only thing I can think is like Duke and Duke. Right. From the movie Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Come on, you've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of Duke and Duke at Old Exchange, I remember. Yeah, that feedback is really good in the interaction and that's sharpening each other. Exactly. Put the rough edges off, right? Yeah. We all all have new- rough edges. I need somebody to punch me around a little bit. And all New Yorkers. New Yorkers are tougher than most. And I grew up in New Jersey, just outside of New York City. And kids were tough. Adults are tough on each other. There's a lot. It's just just a tougher way of growing up, I think. We're taking a short two-minute break for a hand-picked message from our sponsor, DreamTrades.com. This is a special offer available only for the listeners of the How to Trade It podcast. Do you have a plan for your financial future? Do you have enough money for the things you need to do? I bet if you're like most people, you don't have enough money saved for retirement right now. Am I right? Well, investing in stocks may be the answer you're looking for. Dream Trades Monthly Alerts makes it super easy for beginners and those who simply just don't have the time or the desire to spend hours researching what stocks to trade. Dream Trades Monthly Alerts removes the guesswork from which stock to pick by providing you with a monthly in-depth analysis of a very high-profile stock. The research is done for you. You get in-depth research a full report each and every month. And in the last year, Dream Trades has gotten 100% return on investment for everyone following the reports. Because you're a listener of the How to Trade It podcast, we're giving you a code for $25 off a one-year subscription. Check it out at dreamtrades.com. All you got to do is click on monthly alerts and use the coupon code podcast to get the $25 off. Again, Just go to dreamtrades.com and select monthly alerts, then use the coupon code PODCAST. So we're done with the blast for the past. It's good stuff, good material. I like to look back because looking back is how you can prepare for what you're doing now. But right now, what are you trading right now? So I trade stocks. So once I became a stockbroker, I became focused on stocks. And fortunately, I took some pretty big hits along the way all these years trading stocks. And so I figured out for me, I have a very exact methodology where I'm only looking for four chart patterns and a couple of very simple rules of when to buy and when to sell. And that's all I need to know. I don't even have to have the news on. I don't listen to the blah, blah. In fact, what I've learned is a lot of times if you watch the news and you get involved with the story of a stock, that will burn you. Yeah. Don't pay attention to those guys. I'll agree with you <laughs> on that one. Okay. So four patterns. Four I like patterns. That. I think it's simple. I think simple is good and consistency and you know what you're doing and you're filtering out other information. You're filtering out the bad trades. You're only going for what you want. So what type of patterns are you looking for? Okay. So my system is built on William O'Neill's system. It's kind of like I've taken William O'Neill, who wrote the book, How to Make Money in Stocks, Can Slim. You may have heard a call before. I just had a Can Slim guy on the show. Yeah, okay. good stuff. So I just, the Can Slim stuff is great. There's a lot of fundamentals in there. Strip away the fundamentals for the most part. Right. I use Bill O'Neill's chart patterns, but I've made them a much, I've took them and I've added some layer to them, another layer to make them for even shorter term trading. So there's only four patterns I look for. The cup and handle is probably the single best pattern. Something that I've dubbed the high handle, 
which is essentially, it's kind of like a bull flag, just to keep it simple. Stock makes a new high, and then it kind of flags sideways, drifts down and sideways for a bit, and the volume dries up, and then it takes off and runs again. Very easy pattern to trade, doesn't take long to set up. Then there's the double bottom, which isn't really a bottom at all. (laughs) It forms at the top, but it looks like a W. And then there's something called the flat base. And all of these, all four of these patterns form after a stock has hit an all-time high or a five-year high. Those are my four patterns. So you're looking for, primarily, you're probably just screening stocks that just recently hit highs because then you're now looking for that pattern to develop after it has hit the high. Right. So, I mean, you can take a stock. So like a recent breakout would be Google, for example. Google just broke out from like a four-week high handle pattern. Maybe it was five-week. You could call it a flat base or a high handle. They're almost the same. Just the only difference is in the duration, how long it took to form. But that's the type of stock that it doesn't have to be a mega cap like Google can be a small cap. Anything over $12 a share that trades over 500,000 shares a day, as long as it's hit a high recently, it could be... I mean, when Tesla broke out in 2019, that formed a cup and handle. That cup and handle was over a year long in the making. But we're trading stocks as they hit new all-time highs or new five-year highs. Okay. The worst case, five-year high. Are you doing this on a daily time frame? Is that what you're primarily looking at? So step one is to screen through the daily charts. Once I screen through the daily charts, looking for the chart patterns that I think are going to break out really soon, then I will drill down to like a 60-minute chart to look for the best possible entry price. And believe it or not, on the 60-minute charts, you will see the same four chart patterns set up. So you find it on the big picture, and then you find the same pattern happening in the same direction on a lower time frame. Correct. Correct. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. So if you're getting a double pattern within a pattern... Right. Does that increase your win rate there? What I think it does is if you were just looking at the daily chart, you can make money trading if you use a couple of simple rules. But if you are drilled down to the shorter time frame, you'll find a better entry point. You'll find your like really your best entry point. And that will that definitely helps results. And so you try to find that entry point. Is that to increase your win rate or is it to give you a tighter stop loss? Or what's the main reason for that? Both. It gives you a more, it gives you a slightly higher win rate and a tighter stop loss. Yeah, absolutely. That those are really the main reasons. A lot of times it gets you in the stock a little bit earlier than just looking at a daily. What have you found as some of the biggest challenges for trading a type of system that you have? So we use a stop loss strategy. So I am a day trader and a swing trader. And obviously a day trader is intraday. But swing trading, people kind of define differently. So for swing trading, for me, a swing trade doesn't last longer than seven trading days. So it's really short-term trading. So swing trading a stock, which usually means that I think I really feel a stock can run over the course of a week at least, like it's just starting to break out of a pattern, I'll use a 6% stop below my buy price. For day trading, it's more attached to one of the exponential moving averages. Okay. So you'll use a moving average as your stop. On yes. 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 Okay. What's the best time to enter a trade on a day trade? Do not enter any day trades prior to 945 Eastern time because that first 15 minutes is when you have the most false breakouts. If you're a breakout trader, we find there's a lot of weirdness and noise in the first 10 to 20 minutes of trading. Generally for day trading, 
I've learned that the best trades happen between like 9.50 and 10.30 in the morning, Eastern. You set up a day trade and then hold it, how long do you hold it? Oh, you it's a certain a, it's, time? Like how no, long? When it's, so those exponential moving averages I was talking about, I'm not going to go into the detail because that's like the special sauce. Got it. <laughs> but it's the a, exponential moving, when, when, <laughs> when the exponential moving average starts to, when the stock starts to kind of punch through that exponential moving average by a couple of pennies or 11 cents or 15 cents, usually that initial pump is done. And that's when we get out. So yeah. So it doesn't matter how long it goes. If no. you go a certain amount, it starts to right. show some signs of changing directions, you're out. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. With the day trading, how many setups do you usually look for? What do you mean? Like, right. are you looking to take 10 trades in a day? Two, three, one? No, whatever the market gives me. It's not... I like to use the analogy. I'm like a lion on the Serengeti. If the wildebeest are running, I'm going to jump on them. But if they're out, I'm still going to hang out behind the bush. They'll get full. Yeah. I'm not looking for a number of trades per day because I think that will definitely lead to overtrading. You want to let stocks come to you. And I think that's a major lesson for a lot of folks trading is they see it as like work. Like they have to be trading. They always have to be in a trade. A lot of trading is waiting. A lot of trading is stalking and waiting for that setup to happen. And I'm a breakout trader. When the market's going down, you don't get a lot of breakouts. So I'm on the sidelines, which is fine because I'm not getting hurt. I'm not holding. I'm not glued to my story stocks. I'm out. But there's a lot of times that you're not trading. A lot of trading is waiting. And if you're trading very specific strategy, you got to wait for your setups. And it's really whatever the market gives you. So right now, the markets have been going up a lot. How well does your is your performance when the markets are not doing well? You don't make a lot of progress when the market's not doing well in terms of increasing your bag, if you will. You're not going to lose money because we just don't get that many breakouts. So it really just depends on if you're a day trader or a swing trader. If swing traders kind of have a slower mentality, they tend to like to buy and hold. It's really about where you put your stops. And if you're taking more than a 6% stop or 6% loss on a stock, that's really hard to come back from. If you start to lose 10, 15, 20% on a trade, it beats up, not only does it beat up your account, it beats you up psychologically. It's going to prevent you from taking the next trade. And it just leads to like a cascade of bad trades psychologically. It's a psychological thing. If you take a small loss, you can deal with small losses and it, they're much easier to process. If you're, I hate to use the poker analogy because I think there's a lot more luck in cards than there is in trading stocks. Trading stocks is definitely a skill. But if you're playing poker and you're just not dealt anything, fold, just get out. You got to know when a stock breaks out, it better work right away. You should know within hopefully a few minutes, that should be how good your buy point is. A few hours, if that stock really isn't getting going, your timing is off. Get out. Move on to so, the next so trade. you're not always using the 6%. You're, if it doesn't no. do what you want it to do, you'll get out even before Yes, that. absolutely. Yeah, I Six case is a worst case scenario. Stock breaks out in the morning. Also, it looks like all systems go. We had one happen the other day. You saw like when the day that there was talk that Biden was going to have this ridiculous capital gains tax. We had kind of like a little, like, like a mini little, whoa, what's going on? What's the news? Something happened. And stock that I bought broke out, was on its way, looked great, but that just took it down and it closed like 
unchanged, very close to unchanged is where it was about to close. I'm like, this isn't a breakout. And I sold it. Always protect your capital. Always. I mean, more, even I hate Warren Buffett. I'm not a fan of Warren Buffett. I shouldn't say hate strongly. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got a couple of really good sayings. One saying is he says, what were we just talking about? About uh, <laughs> getting rid of losers quick or getting rid of not closing. Yeah. Rule number quick. one, don't lose money. Yeah. That's one of his sayings. His, this other saying I heard, I think is even better. The news, you turn on the news is negative 100% of the time. Yet if you look back like the last 75 years, the stock market goes up about 85% of the time. 85% of the days, the market is up. And it's, so don't watch the news. Don't be overly focused on the news. And I think a lot of folks are trying to overtrade the news and that leads to trouble. Yeah, that's really good. So how do you deal with if you close a trade and then it takes off? right? Like that's kind of- It happens. Uh, it's part of trading. That's in your head. If you close a trade and you made money, it was a good trade. If you close a trade and you protected your principal, that's a good trade. If you miss the trade, so what? There are trades every day, almost every day, every couple of days. Just be patient. Wait for your next trade. See what you did wrong, if anything. Sometimes you did nothing wrong. They just stop, have false breakout. It's part of trading. You wait for the next trade. Don't build head trash. That's trading is one of those things that any head trash you have from childhood, it's going to bring it to the surface very quickly. What's head trash? What does that mean? Head trash means all the negative feedback that you married or absorbed into your psyche as a child. Like maybe one of your parents told you you weren't good enough or you weren't smart enough or some teacher berated you and it just kind of stuck anything. Maybe you got left by a girlfriend at some point. Some girl broke your heart. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that just got embedded and a lot of that stuff, any anger, oh my goodness, anger can come up. Put a couple of negative bad trades together. See how angry you get. And a lot you of stuff from childhood. You haven't smashed any laptops, have you? Not recently. Remember those big old CRTs? <laughs> the big old monitors. I definitely sent one to the graveyard back yeah. in 2000. Oh, well, very cool. So tell us a little bit about easy breakouts. What do you do there? Sure. Uh, what's going on up there? So basically, easy breakouts is a membership website. It consists of three big pieces. One, the first big piece is called Eddie Z's Top 10 Daily Stock Picks. So essentially, that's the part where I do the work for you. I put up a list of 10 stocks that I feel have the highest probability of breaking out the following day or very soon. And I put this list up after the market closes each day. So these are your stocks to start looking at tomorrow. So I put up a list of 10 stocks and what I feel is the best possible buy point. So you're just taking advantage of my personal experience using this methodology for 20 years. The second big piece is called Easy Breakouts University. So it's a professionally recorded video where I teach people step-by-step step how to find these four chart patterns, when to buy, when to sell, and how to find these four chart patterns. Because these four chart patterns, the more practice you have at spotting these patterns, the better you're going to get, the more often you're going to see them. I mean, they, I think they are the absolute root of trading is learning how to spot these four chart patterns. I teach you where to put your stops. Everything I've ever learned about trading is in this video course, like a complete brain dump. And I've been involved with Wall Street now 34 years. It's all I know other than college, just trading and Wall Street. So everything I've ever learned about trading is in that video course. And then the third big piece is 
I've created some software. It's called the Easy Auto Trader Software Tools. So what I've done is I've taken the rules, which are anybody can do manually. It's easy, hence the name Easy Breakouts. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> what I've done is I've taken my rules and I've had them programmed. So whether you're a day trader or a swing trader, when you first get started, you don't have to remember all the rules. So one of my biggest problems as a trader has been overtrading, that need to be in a trade, that adrenaline, that need for excitement. That's like a really big boo-boo. You don't want to do that. That's a huge trading mistake is that adrenaline rush. So what happens when you enter a trade, logic tends to go out the window and emotion takes over and you start to bend your rules. It's really hard to stick to trading rules when you're emotional. And I used to mainly be a day trader. I buy a stock and then every tick, I'm like, what do I do now? What do I do now? What do I do now? I don't know what to do, even though I know my rules. So the software takes that kind of insanity out of it. The rules are built in. If you're a day trader, you enter the the buy point. It will buy the stock for you. It will manage the trade based on our rules for you. It will enter and exit the trade for you based on our rules. You can do the rules manually. I did it manually for years, but the software will do it for day trading and for swing trading. And it just makes it one level easier, especially if you're a little newer to trading. What type of uh, platform is that on? We have it for TD Ameritrade. So if you're using Thinkorswim, TD Ameritrade actually has, you can just trade right through their website also. It'll work on either one. And then we also have it for TradeStation. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a great idea. You have been chatting with us for 30 minutes and have unloaded a bunch of tips and experience. And so I could imagine your 34 years is quite a bit more than what we got here. So I would recommend everybody go to easybreakouts.com and check it out. You also have a book available and that's yeah. a pretty good book and you're giving that away right now. Yeah. So I came out with a book a few years ago. It's called What It Takes, The Secrets of Becoming a Successful Trader. And we sell this book on Amazon for $80. And I'm offering a PDF copy to your listeners at no cost, free, if you will. Just go to easybreakouts.com forward slash book. Okay. uh, So that link will be in the description, but it's easybreakouts.com slash book. And the link will be in the description. If you're listening on your phone, you can just look up the description and click it. If you're listening on your desktop, you can just click the link. And so I highly um, recommend you go check that out. Easy Breakouts is letter E, letter Z, breakouts with an S. Not E-Z, E-A-S-Y. Do not type (laughs) E-A-S-Y. It's E-Z. Very good. I'm probably going to do some research for the listeners. I was going to say this earlier, but I forgot on a point and figure chart. And I'm going to embed it in the description as well. Oh, so cool. people that are listening can actually see it so they know what, what you're talking about. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, that's it for today. Just want to encourage everyone to go check it out. Easybreakouts.com slash book. And thank you so much for being on the show, Eddie. It was great having you. I really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You do you're great welcome. work. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it for today. And we'll see you guys on the next episode of the How to Trade It podcast. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, 
please reach me at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Thank you. for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.